Welcome inside, everyone. Episode 7 here of the ATO Show. This is actually going to be our last one up until uh, the new year. We're actually going to take uh, the next couple of weeks off. Uh, it's been a great start so far. We've really enjoyed making it. Six episodes in, now seven. Uh, it was a... It was a little nerve-wracking going independent, but I, th I think it's worked out. We, we love the enthusiasm we're getting from everybody, and we're going to uh, hopefully continue to make great shows for y'all. Um, I'm Matt Ignal, joined by Lucky's Pipe, uh, Efren Ramos. We got Zaire here as well. Got a few topics to talk about. Be before we get into that, just want to shout out to uh, Hol Holoti. I don't know how to, how to pronounce at W-H-O-L-T-Y. Just making great, great content from from our past episode and there was another one floating around of uh marcus smart it was it was on our ato at ato on twitter but love love the fan engagement it's been great let's start the show yeah it's yeah. It, it's it's been it's been so much fun interacting with y'all keep keep tweeting at us keep keep making these these funny memes um and we'll we'll continue with uh, the, the weird content here uh all right let's let's start with uh, the flask dad himself uh, Marcus Morris. I, I think I saw that the only players in the NBA who are scoring at a better rate, better per possession, and have a high, higher true shooting percentages thus far, um, that's uh, Jonas Valanciunas, Steph Curry, and Montrez Harrell. That's it with the, like 500 minutes minimum. That's it. We got to get Mook to the All-Star game is what I'm saying here. Zaire, let's start with you. You know, Mook's, I, I feel like, is, is your favorite player. We got to get him to the All-Star game, man. Mook Morris, uh, the salvation of the Boston Celtics, right? Let's say this. Mook has to get himself to the All-Star game. We can't do anything to get Mook to the All-Star game. Mook has to continue doing what he's doing. And what he's doing is he's playing outside of the Detroit game, you know, which, you know, it happens. But other than that, I mean, he's just playing way above anyone's expectations. Um, and he's going to have to continue to do that to get an All-Star knot. I said all-star, like I'm from Cincinnati, all-star not. Uh, he has to really, really continue playing way on a high level. And and that's, it's kind of difficult to do when you're playing way better than what you're, you normally play. So if he, you know, I, I'm not sitting here pushing for Mook to make the all-star. I mean, it would be cool to see him there. I would love it. No one would love it more than me besides maybe Mook Morris Jr. Uh, but I would say that just for him to continue to be the stable rock for the Boston Celtics, that's all I'm asking him to do. Um, if, if he can continue, if he can just average 15 points per game for the rest of the season and be that reliable force where it's like, okay, Kyrie is going to go bonkers. Jason Tatum is going to do great. And some nights he might not be as great, but Mook Morris is still there. Al Horford might be available. He might not be available, but Mook Morris is still there. Uh, like that's all I'm asking for. So All Star, that's like gravy on the biscuits, man. Uh, even better, and better for him on, on a on a payday scale for for being a free agent next year. These numbers are just eye popping. Forty nine percent from the field, forty two percent from three, eighty eight percent from the line. Bam, bam. Yeah, I think the stat nerds would like it, but we all know how the wild. I mean, how the All Star game works now, and all this Google stuff that you're voting through Google. I don't get any of that. Apparently, you have to be uh, an expert in. C++ and everything else and all the algorithms in order to vote now, but we'll see. I just don't see the all-star thing happening unless you hate like Victor Oladipo and Chris Middleton. I mean, six man of the year. Now that's more viable. I think you can definitely get that. Let, just, let me say, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
And I just think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on the all-star thing, but we can absolutely appreciate him for what he's been doing as far as putting the team on his back when he needs to. It's just that people who aren't watching every Celtics games, they're not going to see it. They're, they're going to look at the numbers, and that's just not going to happen. But I am all about the bandwagon of let's just, let's get this man a six-man of the year. Let's get him something. I've seen guys make the all-star game where you go, how did this guy make the all-star game? Like, I've seen that in the past. And so if he made it, it wouldn't be like a shock um, however, I think the Celtics would have to go on like a really strong, strong, strong winning streak. And he, uh, once again, just would have to just kind of maintain what he's been doing. And I mean, if you really look at his numbers, his shooting numbers are the things that's, that's, that's like eye popping right now. It's really, I mean, he's averaging 15 points per game, which is not super far from the last three, four years of his career. He's averaged 14 a game. So it's not like, oh, wow, he's averaging 20. Uh, but it's the shooting. But but everything makes sense. Once again, he's playing with the best talent he's ever played with. And he's probably the best he ever has been as a basketball player. He's probably he's more focused. He doesn't have drama. He doesn't have all these crazy things. He's probably got more peace in his life. You know what I'm saying? Because even like with fatherhood, like it, it brings some uncertainties. But at the same time, it brings a different kind of peace to your life as well. So, I mean, it's it's a different different type of time of life for him. And it's all kind of working out. Well, you know, Flask King, he is, you know, he's offense when you need it. His defense is, you know, here or there. Uh, I feel like in the starting lineup, Smart has been hugely important. And it's like hard to differentiate who was, who's been the bigger force. Uh, my worry is like, is he, how, how long does he stay in the starting lineup and he is no longer able to be a six man of the year? Like when, when does that happen? Like he's, because yeah. that is another like thing. that is his medal to win. That that that's another thing I couldn't care less about. Let's let Gordon Hayward or Jalen Brown go for that Sixth Man of the Year award because right now they're not playing like starters, and it just seems like a lot of people want those guys to become starters again. Or when are they going to get back in the lineup? They shouldn't be in the starting lineup right now. Not the way they're playing. You know, the, talent wise, yes, they have the ability, they have the talent, but it's all about once again, what are you producing? And Mook Morris is playing like a starter. So if he starts the rest of the season, I'm fine with that as long as he keeps this up. You know what's funny is prior to the season, a lot of us were talking about how many All-Stars can the Celtics have. And, you know, people were saying <laughs> three, four All-Stars. I mean, I even I've been drunk and said five. We can get five guys in. And now and now it's looking like we're going to have one for sure and one. maybe two. And now we're talking about number two being Marcus Morris. This has been a crazy season. So, just wanted to point that out. <laughs> I think Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum actually, especially if they can grab that two seed. I think Jason Tatum's a lock. I, I really like because people really like him, and I think so. And he, he's a he's a people really like him, and he's really good. Like I mean, he's not people. I think expected him to do something grand, and he's not playing bad. He's just not like um, killing it, but he's doing. He's solid every night. He's you know, 17, 18 a game. I mean, that, that's fine. You know, so he's not on a team where they need him to score 25, you know, and, and so he's in a good situation and he's doing his job. So I think if they can get that second seed, um, he definitely, I think he's a lock. I, I don't see him not being on that all-star team if the Celtics are in the top two. Where do you want to go next, guys? So, you know, I, you know who I'm loving this year? I'm loving Daniel Tice. Like, I, like last year, yeah. I loved Daniel Tice. 
preseason, he just showed me him and Jason Tatum in the preseason last year. They just won me over. It was like, yo, these guys are are they want it? And Daniel Tice took a spot last year. A spot wasn't guaranteed to Daniel Tice. He took a spot last year, and this year, you know, coming back. From from the injury. What I love about Daniel Tice, it's like when they beat in teams that really stink, like he just, he doesn't take his foot off the gas. You know, sometimes when you play in a team that sucks, you kind of play down to their level. And Daniel Tice puts his foot on their throat. Like he'll, he'll go for 30 and won't care. You know, he's just uh, a guy that I think takes for granted his spot in the league. And I just love what he brings to the Celtics. And, you know, some nights like against Andre Drummond, or um, uh, Anthony Davis, he be outclassed because he's just not that level of a big. But his own way, man, he knows how to kick some butt. Like, like it's just, <laughs> it's just fun to watch him play. And I, like, he's, in my opinion, he's the best third string center in the NBA. Does he's been make, reliable. Does that make Robert Williams the fourth, be- uh, the best fourth string center? Yes. I think, like, Tice, if I was going to say something about Tice, I would say I was really down on him probably up until, like, last week or two when I started to see him play with, with Robert Williams. And honestly, I don't think he's a center. Like, I, was, I thought he was more of a center last year, but this year he's just been getting, like, roasted on defense to the point where I'm like, he's not giving you much, if any, rim protection. So... But he does have shooting, so it's not like he doesn't have value. He can be like a Ryan Anderson type of power forward, and maybe that's where he is because I really liked him with Williams, and I think he's played with Baines pretty well. And I think if you pair him with more of a shooter, like I, that's when he really pops to me, and he could go off like hit like four threes, and he's like, oh my god, he's in double digits. Um, and I think I would like to see more of that going forward. I mean, we've needed him. The Celtics have needed him badly, and he's just, when he's been called upon, he's been there. And I like your point. Maybe he is more of a four, and his shooting splits kind of make it seem that way. Shooting 50, 41, 6, 70 Holy from the shit. field, you know? Yeah. That's uh, great. Well, uh, well, the last, I mean, the last, you know, several games, last uh, couple okay. weeks. Got it. Uh, not the whole year, but, I mean, he had a slow start, and he was rough to begin with. Well, yeah, but he was coming back from injury. Bad. I mean, he's, he's, he's yeah. moving so much better now. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait. 50, 57 overall, 41% from three. That's what the guy is shooting. Like, for the whole season right now. That's what he's shooting. That is- I mean, the guy, the guy, he has his own, he, he has his own brand of center. Like, like even, I, I think traditionally, yeah, he's a power forward. But in today's game, for what he is, for being a reserve, when he comes in, he causes problems to the opposition, especially to teams that aren't elite. You know what I'm saying? Teams that aren't elite, they really have to worry about Daniel Tice because Daniel Tice is going to go out there. He's going to play hard. He might not be the best defender, but that's okay. He's going to make it up on the other end of the court anyway. Like, he, whatever he gives up, he's going to give it back to you. I mean, the guy's shot has just been phenomenal this year. Like, you, you can't ask for him. Dude, shoot 57%. What else can we ask from the guy? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of people that's not shooting 57% in the NBA and on this team. So I don't know. I just think that for whatever deficiencies he has, he makes up for them in his own way. I shudder to think where the Celtics would be if they didn't have him during Al Horford's absence. I'm just shocked mm-hmm. at these numbers. I didn't know he was shooting 42% from three. I mean, if he keeps that up, he's going he's gonna to be very expensive uh, when he hits uh, free agency this summer. Um, all right, let's, let's, let's keep things moving. Um, 
I know there's been a lot of Anthony Davis talk recently. Uh, Efren, you want to you explain what you heard? It's just It's been all over the place with the Woj old-ass story where the Celtics have been hawking him for years. Yeah, no shit. But uh, like Stephen A. Smith today said that the Celtics would be willing to put in Brown and Tatum into a package for him. That's absolutely bonkers. But uh, it's fun that we're actually talking about this and things are coming becoming realistic now that we're... Is it fun, though? It's fun you, for you me. Have... Because... <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big, you know, we can get into the debate whether you would put Tatum into a package for Anthony Davis. I think the Celtics fan base is split, like, basically down the middle on this. I, I would because just he, the way he would transform a team. And not only that, you'd be, if you don't, if the Celtics don't take him, someone else is. And then there you go. You're no longer the contender. You're a contender. So, and also, well, I'm a huge Jalen Brown fan, so... You know, <laughs> you could take one of them, but not both. Stephen A. Smith is talking out of his so, ass. So the way this works is uh, the Celtics can't trade for, for him uh, while they have Kyrie Irving on the roster until Kyrie Irving signs his new deal, uh, around which point, presumably, Anthony Davis would reject New Orleans' uh, Supermax offer. I, I heard Zach Lowe on um, the, the new, his new TV show with uh, Woj. Um, he said that uh, he he predicted that Anthony Davis would reject the Supermax offer that uh, New Orleans would give him, um, and then you know at, at, at which point uh, not just the Celtics and the Lakers, a million teams are going to try and get Anthony Davis, and you don't need to you don't need to put everything in there in order to get him. You just need to put out the best offer, uh, which the Celtics can do because they're the most asset rich team in the entire league, at least those that are going to realistically trade. Uh, for Anthony Davis, um, so I, I, you know, I, I don't know where the line is. It's, it's going to involve at least one of, you know, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. We know the Celtics are going to try for it. That's no secret. Uh, the Jason Tatum package. I mean, he probably gets you all the way there as in terms of uh, just uh, beating all, all the other teams. If you're going to do Jalen Brown, you probably got to throw in, you know, Robert Williams, the Kings pick, something like that. Um, either way, it's going to be painful. Uh, hearing hearing those rumors start to swirl in the summer, um, and if the Celtics wind up giving away, you know, the package of of these young players and picks, that's going to be painful as well. It's always painful at first. I was so bummed out when the Celtics traded Avery Bradley. Like I was bummed out, man. And he was never good, though. Efren. I'm sorry <laughs> to tell you this. No, that's false. He was so good. <laughs> he was just too small to go up against uh, Lowry and DeRozan in that backcourt with IT. It's, it's quite an issue. That you, it's hard to it's hard to improve. It's hard to get the get the skills to grow um, an extra three inches. Yeah, it's unfortunate so that we got to talk go about downhill. it's a this this season is like exciting enough as is that the Celtics are contenders right now. It's it's unfortunate that this is coming up again because it's not going to go away. And uh, I'd like to represent the the. The contingent that I yeah I don't want to hear about Anthony Davis like I don't fucking care about a kid that like has won one round of basketball his entire fucking career well you got you got Jokic just pulling his team into one of the best teams in the Western Conference with the God team of the Warriors just hanging out just playing cool and like like is is the is the Nuggets outside of Jokic that much better than the Pelicans? Really? So. Like, so. would it? Oh, come on now. Like, Drew Holiday's good. Yeah. I mean, like, Julius Randle was a good pickup. Like, whether or not his fit, like, clogs up the lane or not. But 
I don't know. Like, it's just kind of like, I'm not going to like abandon this team for this idea of this player that hasn't really proven much other than scoring a lot of points and blocking a lot of basketballs and just being an amazing player altogether. (laughs) Uh, but he's he's the best big in the game. (laughs) He's number one with a bullet. (laughs) I, I get sick of hearing it too. I really do. But I mean, everyone is going to talk about it every day, all day. So it's hard not to. No, I think my thing is the Pelicans are in such a tenuous state that uh, if they if they honestly did trade them, like how many teams have gone to the end of the line and like lost the player for nothing? I mean, they've already done it with the best player in basketball, LeBron James. Like, and when you're a small market team, I know the Sacramento Kings kind of like bucked the trend and traded Boogie for actually a decent package, but. I don't know. There's a lot of teams that are just like, you know, we can resign them. If the Pelicans lose Davis, they're done. Like, they're done as a franchise. Like, just ship them to wherever. I know Bill Simmons likes to say that, but it's honestly true. They have nobody goes to the games now. It's going to be a rough plot. Like, they might go to the end, in which case, Horford's going to be gone. In that place, we're going to be running the free agent like line up and then we're going to keep the guys. So it's like, let's not maybe, maybe let's not trade. Uh, maybe the Pelicans won't trade, but if he rejects the Supermax offer, like they, they have no choice, then he's definitely going to walk. If he's rejecting their Supermax offer. I, I mean, the, the only thing worse than losing Anthony Davis would be losing him for nothing. I wouldn't say that the Pelicans are done if they lose Anthony Davis. I mean, it seems like it, right? I mean, we could have said the same thing about the Kings when they lost Chris Webber, right? I mean, life goes on. If if, if the if the Milwaukee Bucks can still be around, you know, they survived till they got Giannis. You know, uh, you got teams that just eventually the tide turns, and sometimes they figure it out, sometimes they don't. But being a small market team isn't as damning as it was in the past. Um, you know, in the past, it, it was. It was like, oh, man, you're losing this big star. No one's going to ever come to you. But these days, it just seems like guys are less picky about, oh, I got to go play in New York or, oh, I got to play, you know, in L.A. And they're more willing to go to these small market teams and make something of it. It just seems like it more so these days than it used to be. And you could credit, like, guys like Chris Webber who stuck around in Sacramento to kind of changing that trend. So how, how are you feeling about the Celtics' recent performance? Okay, so first, let me say that the reason, one reason why I haven't been on is because I'm now Coach Zaire and General Manager Zaire of the uh, Youth Basketball Celtics here in uh, Columbus, Ohio. So shout out to those guys. Uh, But um, no, I've felt that they've played great. I mean, a lot of people have been saying that the Celtics have been blowing out teams that aren't that good. Well, that's what you're supposed to do, though. (laughs) Right. That that's the impressive thing to me is like when I look and I see the score is like 40 to 17 and it's like, all right, like that's that's impressive. Like no matter if the team is bad or not, if you're beating an NBA team by 30 points and like during that stretch, I mean, they were just whooping. I mean, they, what they won by average of like 25 points or something like that during that stretch. If I'm wrong, correct me. But it was impressive. And that's what you're supposed to do. And, and if you're able to do it, a lot of times you end up beating bad teams by eight, 10 points. That's what they were doing a few years ago. So, you know, and um, I've heard people say, you know, well, uh, they weren't beating anybody. Well, they're playing the same to like Toronto's not beating world beaters either, but for whatever reason, Toronto's getting a pass and the Celtics aren't. I think the Celtics, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. It's a judgment against the Celtics because of the tradition of what they are and because of the expectations of what people had, but they got it together. They figured it out. 
and they didn't just win, they throttled these teams. And that's what um, that's what I was just most impressed with, looking at the score going, man, they scored 120-some points tonight. Okay. They figured something out. And, and, and the main thing, once again, is Brad Stevens putting people in places to succeed and putting people who are struggling in places where they can't damage the team as much as they once did. I mean, you got to give this guy credit. He loves him some Gordon Hayward. And I don't blame him for loving him some Gordon Hayward. If it wasn't for Gordon Hayward, Brad Stevens wouldn't be where he is. And if it wasn't for Brad Stevens, Gordon, they, like they belong together. But you got to come to the realization, hey, my guy who used to hit 330 home runs is now hitting 250 and 10 home runs. Well, he can't be the power hitter anymore. And that's, you know, you got to you got to love Brad Stevens for not being married to somebody to the point of I'm going to just mar- ride this thing out to the ship sinks. Nah, dude, you got to put I got to put you in a spot where we can still do our thing and you can continue to get better. And and that's the thing I love about it. So, yeah, the Celtics right now, I think they're in a really good position. I don't think 18 and 11 is a bad record. You know, uh, I think it's pretty good. A lot of people are going, well, they, they've underachieved. Nah, they, they've beaten some good teams as well. We just don't remember it because they haven't played a lot of good teams recently. Yeah, I was. Uh, I saw it on Twitter, and I was thinking it a lot too. But like Kungu was saying, the beginning of the year, they beat good teams and then lost to bad teams, and now they're just right. killing bad teams. So it's like, I, I mean, we're like the, the schedule's pretty much equaled out across the league in terms of strength and you know we have the second best net rating in the league now yeah it gets a little harder gets a little harder coming up after phoenix bucks sixers spurs tim timberwolves i mean we're gonna find out soon enough like if they're really getting fat on these bad teams or if they've turned a corner i think they've turned a corner just based off like everything just how they're when was the last time the Celtics had this many 100-plus wins, like, rattling them off in a row? You could bank on over 100 now for the Celtics. Yeah. <laughs> like the I mean, A's, I, man. Yeah, I got, I got used to the low-scoring Celtics for, like, two years. And the Celtics last year didn't play anybody. Like I mean, that. if they're not – with the league this year, like, if you're not hitting 100, like, you're going to be – it's going to be hard to get a win. <laughs> but, we, but the Celtics didn't blow anybody out last year, even the worst teams. Just, oh, yeah, no, they they did a lot of rallying last year, you know, and that's that's been the difference. But what I, what I will say, too, is that it's not necessarily um, – I, I don't want to use the word fair, but it's hard to judge the team without Al Horford on the court, um, especially when they, when they start playing these really good teams. If Al Horford is not on the court and Al Horford's going to be your guy in the playoffs especially, that's not going to be the same Celtics. So – Whatever kind of team you get, if we go if we go through this next stretch and Al Horford misses, let's say the next five to ten games, that's not an accurate assessment of what the Celtics will be unless Al Horford is hurt for the playoffs, which we hope is not the case. But you know that's the thing. So I think you kind of got to look at them for where they are and for what they are, for what they are, for what they've had, for the injuries they've had to deal with, and they're still blowing teams out. That that means a lot, and that shows you once again the what this franchise is made of, what this culture is, is, is built upon as opposed to a team like the Wizards or like the Suns where they just can't get out of their own way. I just want to put it out to you guys. Uh, do you think Al Horford not being in the lineup has anything to do with this scoring outburst? Now, we, always, we know Danny Ainge is always making moves and he's a fluid GM. I think out of all the three stars, Al Horford is the first one that he would be willing to put into a trade. I'm not saying trade off or anything like that, but I'm just wondering 
the Celtics in two years, is Al Horford the one out of the three that's not there? And if they do replace him, do you think in the long run that this could be a really different team with another star? Mm-hmm. Well, in in I, two I, years, he's it's, it's going to be on a new contract. So, With us or with somebody else? That we don't that's know. It, it's, it's also difficult to tell if he's actually in decline this year or this is just a blip, perhaps caused Offensively, by... Offensively, he definitely has been. Yeah, perhaps. Um, and he, he shot the ball amazingly from three last year. Uh, so, you know, it, I, I mean, mean is, 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 he, is he slumping? Is it, is it the knee? Or is he actually a, a worse player now than he was this, this time last year? I mean, we saw him be so great in the playoffs. That wasn't that long ago. Um, let's let's see him let's see him get a healthy stretch when everybody's clicking and let's see how he does then because he's so important to this team right now. The Bucks are really good. He's he's the perfect kryptonite for what uh, for what Brook Lopez is doing because he can guard him out on the perimeter and then blow by him. Um, Lopez doesn't have the foot speed to stay up with him. Yeah. He's just he's just Not the perfect center for this era. We we need him. It's it's a thing that that kind of worked out whether Al Horford was there or not. Um, you know, other people just filling in and doing what they're supposed to do. Robert Williams even coming in and just providing a spark in his own way. You know, defensive stops turn into points. You know, so if you got a guy getting five blocks and then boom, all of a sudden you got the ball back and you're doing your thing. You know, so it's it's a lot of things that worked out. But I'll- yeah, I just want to put it up yeah, there. I, I was in no way slandering Al Horford. Amo right. mucho al eres mi hermano dominicano and uh, no slander for me. Okay, it's an interesting question, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I might be misremembering, but I feel like he was pretty like even shooting the ball. He was good in a couple of the wins we had early in the season, then it kind of dropped off really quickly, and it felt like it was a fatigue thing. Like everything felt like felt short for like a while before he, you know, went off with the injury. So I think he needs some much needed rest and, you know, get some rejuvenation, get some alpha brain in his in his system, you know, get those joints mobilized and, you know, he'll be back kicking ass and hitting like 50 percent of his threes. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's I'm not looking jump- at his game oh. log right now. And uh, the last like six games, he's been averaging like 17, 18 points. So maybe it's just a little crazy of me to say that, but he has been yeah. turning around before the injury. His his three point shot dropped off like the last ten games he played. But production wise, I mean, he's he was getting better with passing. You know, not getting better, but getting more assists. Um, so I don't, you know, once again, Al Horford, it's it's early. You know, it's early. He's a veteran. Mm-hmm. We want Al Horford to be playing his best basketball in April, May, June. So ain't tripping on Al Horford. I just want him to be available. <laughs> for real yeah. yeah let's not jump to conclusions just yet <laughs> speaking of which uh, robert williams is the greatest shot blocker of all time oh, by far ever in, in terms of block <laughs> percentage no one else comes yeah. close not even a minute ball per- not ball for ball 36 minutes it was uh 69 blocks per minute it's, it's out of control <laughs> like like honestly the stats don't even know how to incorporate this level of just sheer fuck all Dominance to his game. <laughs> yeah, the standards are just crying right now. They're like, we did not engineer computers. Like they're they they're they're renting out space at the supercomputer at IBM, and it's really costly just to run stats for Robert Williams. Yeah, he's he's been incredibly impressive, especially like the blocks that he does, like strong side faced up against you know Alton Anthony Davis and the big guys. That's crazy. To get multiple blocks on a guy like AD in one game, faced up, not from the weak side, AD saw him coming. AD saw him there, and Robert Williams was still able to get up and get it. It's crazy. 
he's doing everything we want him to. He just now needs to fully embrace the, the Time Lord moniker because it's not going anywhere. He is the Time Lord. It's time yeah. to. I mean, it's time it to realize just doesn't your make any other sense. Like when you see the the pictures of him like on the ground, and the guy the guy that he's defending is already in the air shooting the ball, and then there's another still of him like like 40 feet in the air with the hand on the ball and like how did that happen in such a short of oh well he has control of time that's yeah that's what happened here yeah i wouldn't mind seeing him get involved a little bit more in the offense maybe a couple plays drawn up for him maybe some pick and roll x's well the the good thing about the good thing about uh robert robert williams is that he's in a good situation and that's why i always say it, it really matters where you go because you put him in the wrong environment he he may be in the D League somewhere, but he's in a he's in a good situation. And also, you know, um, my guy, um, what's the guy, uh, the dancing bear? Yeah, bro. Yeah, he got hurt, and so that allowed Robert Williams to get more time. But he's in a really good situation. Um, he's not being exposed on offense like a lot of people. Well, you just said, well, I want to see him do more offense. I don't know how much more he can do on offense. Uh, maybe he can do more. His assist, but I know his. His vision's really good. Yeah, like it's kind of scary. Like no, no, I'm he saying makes when it comes passes. To, when it comes to scoring, he's he's getting put in positions where he can he can't fail on balls. Where it's like, okay, break to the basket, we're gonna find you because we got other talent around here that can knock down some shots. You're gonna get you're gonna get that look, and we we got you. Um, and he's making that happen. Maybe he can be a guy that averaged 13, 14 points one day. I'm not sure. But, I mean, if the dude's the defensive force that he's being, if he can just be that, man, people are saying, well, he's got to be able to shoot a three one day. Nah, dude, if you can block shots like he's blocking them for real, like, you don't need to learn how to shoot a three like that. Like, you you don't. You're he's special. A, he's a rookie. <laughs> That's what's ridiculous. Like, rookies don't know how to play defense. Not Certainly not rookie bigs. I mean, it, it takes, unless you're Jaron Jackson Jr., look how much DeAndre Ayton's struggling. Okay, granted, I mean, he's he struggled with it for a while, but he's a rookie, and he's and he's doing this, and his, his sense of timing, it could be improved a bit, but he's just so far ahead of the curve. And then when you combine that with, like, Andre Drummond-level leaping ability in, in terms of his, his quickness and how he gets up there, the 7-5 wingspan, I mean, it's... You know, th- thank you the the twenty six teams that picked before the Celtics for for letting him fall to us. He didn't he didn't deserve to uh, fall to twenty seven. Thanks to the wrist man. I'm just again. I'm just saying when like Danny Ainge doesn't trade for Anthony Davis because uh, he sees Robert Williams is capable of like eighteen fourteen five assists and five blocks a game. Like this is where you heard it. This is what you cite in that article two <laughs> years from now. Just the, the potential is so high. I just hope that uh, he he doesn't get. You know, when everybody gets back healthy, I hope we, I hope we still see some Robert Williams because I, I need it. It's like <laughs> an injection of, of adrenaline. I mean, you see the crowd going crazy for, yeah. for Robert Williams. They love him. I, I, I hope he's a Celtic forever. And multiple realities, like all the timelines. It's just great. Like, I can't wait to see him out there with Al Horford. Like consistently, like I think that would be. Oh my god, dude! That's the best. That would be a beautiful thing to watch, and and just for Al Horford to talk to him while he's playing, to to say, okay, look on offense, this is what I need you to do. This is where I need you to be. Help me out so I can get open and knock this jump shot, and then I'll pay you back with a good assist. And boom, you you got a basket right there. Like I think that'll be some good um good post offense that we're not used to seeing. Where four can feed a five, and and that'll be dope. I don't think anybody would score if there was Smart, Horford, and uh, Robert Williams on the court at the same time. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. All right, you, you heard it. 
Start start Robert Williams. No. <laughs> start I wouldn't hate. I, I wouldn't hate the Suns. I wouldn't know. <laughs> oh my god, dude. If he just like ate eight and alive, if he oh man. If he just goes after my 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 Twitter account is gonna be a freaking shit show. I mean, but that's that's what happens. I mean, people get hyped off of one performance, two performances. I mean, you saw Gordon Hayward came back and scored thirty, and folks were like, "He's back!" No, and oh I'm, my god, but though the first pick in the draft, and he just like and he just eats his lunch. Oh, it's gonna be unbearable. Let me tell you, not to not to harp on anything bad, but when Gordon Hayward, I wanted to come on the show so bad when Gordon Hayward scored that thirty point game, and I heard just people on various shows talking about he's back, and I'm like, no, he's not. He just had a really good game, and same thing with Jalen Brown. Like, like they are on the roller coaster of life. They are this year once again. Uh, they are wearing the bodies of of uh, Kelly Olynyk and, and Jeff Green, and so <laughs> it's like, yo, don't get too hyped when you see something. So with Robert, with Robert Williams, the good thing about this is that he's not doing something that's extraordinary for him. You know, like what he's doing, it seems like it fits him and it fits what he is. And, and it fits the modern off. game, too, because, right. be, because he doesn't need to be, you know, doing all this extra stuff. He's perfectly happy being a fifth option and the Celtics are perfectly ha- happy to have him as a fifth option who just, right. you know, rolls for dunks and passes the ball um, otherwise. That's it. That's all they need him to do. He's great at those right. two things. He, he's, he's just a perfect match for the modern game. I'm so high and on you know, him. Rather it's been the modern game or the old school game, you've always had teams that maybe had a big that wasn't super fundamentally sound, but they had that athleticism, and you used them for that. You didn't, you didn't make him into Kareem because he's not Kareem. You use him for what he is. And so that's, that's to me, timeless in basketball. That's, that's, you use it if you have it. Whoa. If you have – If you have – If you have <laughs> – If Come you on, have – Then it's like, okay, yeah. But he's he, – Once again, everybody that has been drafted over the past few years have been drafted into just extraordinarily great situations. Uh, whether it's been smart, whether it's been um, – you know, because even when Smart got drafted, yeah, the team wasn't that good, but he got the opportunity to play. He was there when Rondo was there, and whether people talk about Rondo or not, you can learn a lot from that guy. And, you know, so it's like everybody's been drafted in great situations, and Robert Williams is, at the same time, just just a great situation, great people to be around. You know, you got Marcus Morris having a season of his life, and you can learn from a veteran like him. You can you can learn from a vet, veteran like Al Horford. It's just great. And then Brad Stevens is your coach. I mean... What this is the perfect situation for Robert Williams right now, folks. Stay with me here. Compare and contrast Bill Russell and Robert Williams. Oh boy, same guy. <laughs> Isn't it the same player? No, they might be the same player in alternate. Rela- I'm telling you, he's just he let he's let he's already lived this life twice in multiple. It's just reincarnations. No, no, no. <laughs> No. Not with no, he's, he's better. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna even play with that, man. Like last time they said, Greg Steesman was the next Bill Russell. Listen, Bill Russell was one of a kind. I was not man. saying that. I was not. Just for the record, I was, I was not saying that. I've only okay. said Robert Williams. Reincarnation? Nah, he's not even a reincarnation of Bill Russell. Okay, like no, it's not happening. Not buying it. Never. Bill Russell's one of a kind, man. It's like saying somebody's a reincarnation of Larry Bird. There is none. <laughs> there is none, man. <laughs> Robert Williams, man, just continue being the best Robert Williams you can be. Uh, we're rooting you on. 
And I just I hope that people don't put too much expectation on him because that's the thing is like the disappointment comes from the people who built the expectation. Just for the same time, like like I wanted to say before about uh, Marcus Morris when we were talking about him, people had an expectation of Marcus Morris, and that expectation was built on their own imaginations. It wasn't built on any fact. It was built on their own imaginations. He's not going to be happy. He's going to be a disruption. He's going to, but you had no facts saying that Marcus Morris was a disruption, was unhappy with his role, would be unhappy with his playing time. You had no evidence of that, no facts. Yeah, he, he said out loud, yeah. All I'm saying is Robert Williams has the highest block percentage <laughs> that we've ever seen in history. You know who hasn't doesn't have a block percentage? Bill Russell, because they didn't track the stat at the time. Absolutely. He's the only person that we know of that could actually get to Robert Williams' level. Thirteen games, man. Thirteen games. <laughs> when Bill Russell, when Bill Russell, this is a little known fact. When Bill Russell played his first exhibition, and Red Arbach had, had traded, what did they trade the ice capades? When Bill Russell played his first exhibition, Red Arbach said, "What the heck did I just do?" Because that's how bad Bill Russell played. And Bill Russell went to Red Arbach and said, "I'm sorry, coach. I will never play that bad again." And he didn't. But it was one game, right? And so this is like those 13 games that, that my guy just played is like Bill Russell's one game. And like you can't judge it. It's too, it's too short of a time span. He doesn't have pressure. He's like the backup quarterback right now. Get in there and save us. Okay. You know, it's yeah, no, like it's no pressure on the bench. Drew Bledsoe. <laughs> yeah, it's no – it's no, well, yeah, that's a great example. But it's no pressure on, on Robert Williams right now. He's going out there. He's doing his job. But, you know, if we're in a seven-game series and Al Horford's not available and Aaron Baines is not available and Daniel Tice is not available and then Robert Williams is your guy, then we'll see what this guy is made of, made of. And I don't want anybody to be, like, totally disappointed thinking, oh, I thought I was – no, you, you don't know. You're just – we're creating this illusion of people based off how we, we, we get excited, you know, and, and nah, let the dude do his thing and we'll see. I, I think, I think what he's doing, he's capable of doing for the rest of his career. So I'm, I'm down for him. Anybody rolling to the rim. Oh, you got to see Robert Williams. If he can be that guy that, that shuts down the little guards that want to drive to the basket. Nope. Think about it. Take that long jumper instead of driving to the basket. You have nothing here. If he can be that guy, man, that's a, that's a great role. Cause we haven't had that guy ever. Like since once again, since the eighties, probably <laughs> it's been a since, while since Bill Russell. Well, things are truly timeless here on the ATO show. And uh, this is this, as I said, we're going to take the next uh, two weeks off here. Uh, we're going to have some great content for you coming in January. Uh, we're probably going to do another Dungeons and Dragons. Of course, we'll do more class trials coming up. Lots of weird games. It's gardens and um, it's gardens and basket orcs. I don't know. It's a working title. We we, it's, we can't use the copyrighted material. Dribbles, dribbles and dragons. It's, it's it's dribbles and yeah, dragons. Come it's straight from Sam. He's never like he's never done any game like this before. It's like completely off. Maybe he's maybe a, maybe a weird Celtics Tinder when uh, <laughs> when when the uh, trade hey, deadline hey, rolls how, around. How about this for fun? Any any good pr- predictions that we don't see coming for the new year? Um, after the new year, anything you don't see coming? Any like will, will Gordon Hayward turn his life around? Will, you know what what do we see that that no one else sees? You know, a little fun prediction. I think that would be dope to go out on for the rest of twenty. Yeah, and don't and don't be afraid of time. If it's like five years in the future, like just go for it. I'm going to say Robert Williams will maintain the greatest block percentage of all time. Hell yeah! For the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm gonna go out and say two All Stars for Boston this year. 
even though it doesn't look like it right now, I think they're going to end up with two of them when, it all, when it's all said and done. I'm going to say Marcus Smart never doesn't start a game again. <laughs> Ooh, he's going to start for the rest of his career. He's a starter now. What about you, Zaire? I don't hate it. I think Jason Tatum, after the All-Star break, kicks it to another gear. Uh, I'll go with that. Jason Tatum, after the All-Star break, is right up there with Kyrie, um, where he's like, he is option two, but it's a really strong option two, like a Scottie Pippen option two. So um, I'm going to go with that with Jason Tatum. Uh, he, he he steps it up severely after the All-Star break and um, is the big reason why the Celtics make it uh, all the way to the NBA Finals and beat the Warriors, like I said before. Or whoever ends up there. Maybe it's the Lakers. I, I, I would not be surprised if we have a Lakers-Celtics finals, which would be so much fun. Like that would, be the, that would be more fun than the Warriors finals, in my opinion, if it's Le- Celtics-Lakers and LeBron James is there. And finally, we exact our revenge over these last few years he's been getting us. That'll be cool. I, I like that prediction. All right. Well, that'll do it. We'll see you in a few weeks. For Lucky's Pipe, Zaire and Efren, I'm Ed Ignall. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. See you soon. You know Dash from a dancer, Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen. But do you recall, what's that? The most famous reindeer of all. Come on!